what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of the Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. In this podcast, we're talking about having difficult conversations, being heard, and making important changes. Our interviewee for this podcast is Dr. Cheryl Greenberg, a life coach for seniors and their families at The Age Coach. With her guidance and support, clients who are dealing with health issues, including dementias, learn about physical and cognitive changes, effective caregiving, and ways to navigate the feelings that arise with these illnesses. Cheryl's doctorate focused on adult development and memory improvements for older adults. She currently presents and writes about healthy paths for older adults and volunteers for organizations that support seniors, such as ACAP as well as the Alzheimer's Association, Triad Retirement Living Association, and AARP. So full transparency, Cheryl is on the leadership team for the ACAP Guilford County. Cheryl, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Francis. Bless you. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. Let's start with defining what we're talking about when we say difficult conversations. What what is what do we have in mind? That is the place to start, Francis. Um, you know, as children, we sometimes see issues that we think are important, and when we try to speak with our parents, we feel that we're not heard or ideas are being rejected. As parents, we sometimes think that the conversation is inappropriate or intrusive, or that the issue is not important. And so I think that um, there are any number of things that children or parents may want to bring up as a a working conversation, but they become difficult discussions um, when one or both sides of the discussion are uncomfortable. I would say that difficult conversations are in the ear of the beholder. (laughs) Right? So... Um, you know, a difficult conversation, a conversation of any kind, uh, can just be smooth and easy and open. It becomes difficult when we're, our boundary issues feel uncomfortable. Mama may say, that's not for you to know. You don't need to know about my money. That's a boundary issue, right? You're okay. my child. You shouldn't be asking about that. Or very frequently... Um, a parent may feel like they're going to lose their independence if they discuss their checkbook with you. 
and you want to have some input, well, then what happened to my independence? Sometimes, sometimes these issues become difficult because, the, and, and I, I will say the parent in this case, uh, may be developing some dementia and therefore there's confusion around the conversation. Right, right. And the last thing I think that makes a difficult conversation, uh, difficult discussion, really is just misunderstandings. And, and I know we're going to talk about that more, misunderstandings. Right, right. Okay. So, um, so it sounds like from the beginning, Cheryl, part of what you're saying is that like all communication, this is two-way, that this is how the, the ear in the ear of the polder, that it is both how the, the adult child uh, or the, the loved one who is serving in some capacity in their caregiver role, that, um, that, it's, that it's how they are perceiving whether the situation or the conversation is difficult or whether the parent does, that it can be an either or, and not necessarily both. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so true. And if I could just drop in another thought here for folks who are listening, we are going to talk about adult children as a care provider or the, the guide, because the care provider may be too strong in some situations. Oh, I like that. Right? And we're going to talk about parents, because that's who we are. ACAP is about adult children and aging parents. But if you're listening to this, you may well represent a different group of people. As somebody else who's helping um, an individual. So it'll all it'll all apply whether you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 80, whether you have a dementia or some other reason for having these conversations. Yes, absolutely. Um, the misunderstanding, the difficulty can be on either side, Francis. Right, right. Okay. So, so bottom line, whether you are the adult child or whether you are a, um, a grandchild or a neighbor or a spouse or a niece or nephew, you know, whoever you are, this is information for you. Okay. So I keep wanting to jump into, let's talk about what kinds of topics or what kinds of conversations can be, could be those difficult conversations sort of standardly that, that lots of conversations could be difficult or become difficult but there are some that are just kind of whatever red button or whatever conversations you're you're right you know you said that so well um here's what we know any conversation can be a difficult conversation right Mama, you need to eat more vitamins and more fruits and vegetables. Well, you can't make me do that. Well, that <laughs> conversation about nutrition could become a difficult conversation. Right. So right. nearly anything in our interactions, if I as the care provider and somebody else as the person receiving the care feel like they're being, their lives are being interrupted or interfered with, that could begin a difficult discussion, right? Absolutely. Keeping that in mind, that's not really what you asked me. You really asked me, so what are the typical ones? What are the ones that really typically become difficult? The topics that are most difficult to talk about. Is that what you're, is that what you're thinking? 
Um, I think it could be helpful when I was in the situation. When I was my mother's helper, um, guide, advocate, and right. at times caregiver, there were there were conversations that we would get into that I wondered, am I the only one for whom this is difficult? Right. You know, is is this something, you know, this whole thing of my her checkbook or her bank account or giving up driving or where she's going to live or those kinds of things. Uh, you know, those are kind of standard um, that can be difficult conversations. I think that there probably are a lot more, but, um, but, but yes, I'm asking sort of a both and um, are, are there some particular conversations that are typically difficult because of everything that's involved with them and are there some others that just when you start feeling this or when you start sensing this you you are in territory of what would be considered a difficult conversation a difficult conversation is any conversation where the individual's independence is threatened okay. where they feel not respected i don't mean disrespected i mean they're simply not getting the respect that they expect because they have these great ideas in the case of the child or because in the case of the parent, because they're the parent and you're treading on my respect. They are conversations where there are power structures. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> right. You know? and, and, you know, it does sound funny at first, but. Heavens to Betsy, if my kids came and took my car keys without asking, there'd be some power struggle there, even if they meant well. So I've already told you, I mean, I've already said out loud, anything can be the discussion. You didn't brush your hair. You're not brushing your teeth. You need to eat more vegetables. Difficult conversations can ensue. Here's what we see, though. Typically, these are the people who come to me or who uh, to talk about coaching. I can't handle this. What's going on? You named a lot of them. Number one complaint, not the most frequent, but the sort of easy one that people come to. They notice it fast is driving. Mm, sure. It happens, of course, typically. When somebody is developing eyesight problems, these sensory problems, they can't hear well, they can't see well, um, they're not judging distance well, their reaction time slows down naturally as we get older. And so hitting the brake takes longer. It, of course, can occur if somebody's developing a dementia. But um, so number one, and we can go more into detail or use any one of these as an example. But number number one that comes to mind is always driving, stopping driving, essentially, or what right. people call getting the car keys. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and also, it's the one that often is not done with the gentleness and openness that it needs. It's an enormous loss of independence. It, it is. It certainly yes. is. It certainly was with my mother. Yes, absolutely. Uh, my grandmother had Alzheimer's and uh, she was driving into the side of buildings once or twice before anybody found out and they took her car keys. My thought my parents were inc 
incredibly clever because they didn't have a big discussion with her, but they did say, here's an alternative way to deal with this. I'm going to buy you free passes for a taxi service. So that wasn't a difficult conversation, but you can imagine it could have been. Sure. Okay. Sure. Before I get too deep and, and distracted by one issue, and I'll let you ask the one you wanted to go into, money and spending, how much money to spend, how to budget, planning on future needs. We get more expenses, expensive in some ways as we get older because of medical care, right. retirement community. Right. Number three, I would say, is an early, should be an early conversation. It often is not anything that has to do with documentation, legal documentation in particular. Powers of attorney, will, trust, um, and other things that would typically, let's say, involve legal knowledge or legal, and which would have an impact on if mama were to get ill or develop a dementia, which is an illness. What do we do? Are we have her wishes been stated? Does the child have the legal ability to take care of mama? They uh, parenthetically of all the discussions I'm going to tell you, almost all of them are difficult because the parent doesn't want to address them, not the child. Typically, this is one that. The parent is more likely to initiate, and the child is going to reject. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, when you were talking about the legal documents, I'm sitting here thinking this is something that people of all ages in adulthood yeah. need to need underscore exclamation need. That's to right. Have that's right. Go ahead. Go because ahead. how we can make sure that what we want gets done. That is the right. And because of the uncertainty on you know, life is life and the uncertainty um, for all of us, we, we, we don't know the number of our days. Um, so, yes, at all ages, once we reach maturity, you know, adulthood, we should have those documents. One of the issues that parents want to talk, often will talk about the kids are uncomfortable with is end of life wishes. Mm -hmm. I Please don't talk to me about dying. I don't want to ever lose you. And mama might say, look, I want this in place. I want to be sure my wishes are clear to you. Sure. And after that, I'm going to go on and live my life. I'm not going to get stuck here. But you can hear this because when something happens to me, I want you to know the kind of care I would like to have. Right, I want to right. see you know, how much heroic should be done. How should, you know, what does the funeral look like and things like that. Right, right. Okay, so I don't want to get anybody lost in these many topics. So I'll repeat to you that we talked about driving, money management, and legal issues. Mm -hmm. Another one uh, that comes up a lot and is, more often than not initiated by the child in my experience is where should mama live where should daddy live um and in this case children 
I laugh because I sometimes see 40-year-olds wanting to move mama, daddy into a retirement community when they're 65, 67, 70, because 40-year-olds see that as older and they're worried and they want to be prepared for the future. And on the other hand, the parents are saying, I am doing just fine. This is where I want to be as long as possible. Now, that's not true for everybody, right? Right, right. 75% of older adults say they want to stay in their current residence if at all possible. 75. Now, the 75 do not stay, but 75 when they're stay, they want to. Right. Kids, on the other hand, are looking to the future. What's going to happen if mama becomes ill or when mama becomes ill? Who's going to clean out the house? Who's going to know what to do with this stuff? What if she falls? And so they are, I, can't, I was trying to think of the word for that. And all I could come out up with was not a fair word, which is anxious, but it is a kind of anxiety. They are previewing problems that may never happen, but they're certainly previewing them before they need to be addressed in some cases. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. But you know, one of the other things that you were, were in essence referring to a little bit earlier, um, <clears throat> excuse me, is or the sense I got is that there is a part of these conversations that truly are because we love we love our parent. We love our parents. We care deeply about them. And we want them to be well and to be as happy as possible for as long as possible. You know, so there's a part of these conversations that can be truly thoughtful and caring of of that other person. But then intermingled with that is our own anxiety about, oh my, when we get to that point, and we probably will, you know, kind of in our heads, we're going, we probably will get get to this point of there being additional needs, and how do we take care of those, and oh golly, it would be so much easier um, and, and better for mom and dad now to go on and get those things in place, whether they're needed or not right now. Well, I don't disagree with you. Um, the truth of the matter is that I would like to separate this from love because in many cases, and I and you, because we know each other, choose very much to see everybody as caring and loving. But the fact of the matter is that there is a piece of this that is just plain practical. So when Susie said to me, Mama won't listen to me, but she needs to move here. And she needs to get out of the big house. She doesn't need all that stuff anymore. And I asked her again, this was a mother who wasn't 70 and was healthy. And when I said to Susie, why do you feel so pressured? To get this done now why she said well there could be a crisis and then what would I do how could I handle a crisis and I had to say I helped uh, I tried to help Susie 
see that this wasn't mama's problem in the moment. It was Susie's problem, mm -hmm. being afraid that she couldn't deal with whatever came up. And she needed some resources. She needed to know there would be help for her down the road. There are ways to get support if a crisis happens. But she didn't have to clear out all her mother's memorabilia when her mother still wanted it and was still capable of loving it. Does that make some sense? So it comes from love often. It also comes from concern about what the future holds. And it also comes sometimes for seeing our parents as older than they see themselves, as less capable than they see themselves. And is uh, or my experience is both personally for me, as well as my mother, as well as lots of conversations, lead me to believe that typically we don't see ourselves at the age where we are. No, people always see themselves, not always, but typically see themselves young. That's different. And I am. I, I, I understand. It's right. not just an, a chronological age. It is a con. It's a it's a capability and a an ability kind of issue. Absolutely. And I do recognize that there are some people who really are coming at this, caring for a parent or or another loved one even, because they truly care about right. them. And that really is where they come, uh, what they come out of, in the conversations. That's sort of the bottom line. Yeah. I also recognize, though, that there are a lot of people who are who are caring for a parent, not because they're coming out of love for that parent, but rather out of an obligation. In some way, they are the ones who are going to be the point people taking care of whatever mom or dad needs. And that's very different. Um, it, it isn't to say that they are any less any less thoughtful or any less um, that, that their actions are any any less I'm going to use the word caring, but it comes out of a different place. So we have a lot of stuff going on. We have the caring, we have the obligation, we have the, the practicality of it, and we have our own anxiety. And I think you are absolutely correct that there is anxiousness about our, you know, how, how do we do this? Particularly if we're juggling a lot of things in our lives. Yes, you encapsulate, you, you caught that up into a nice little package. I am not at all saying that pa that care providers that are the children of older of uh, adult adult children are not caring and loving, but it does. What I'm just I'm agreeing with you that whether it comes from a sense of obligation and then whether it comes from just total unconditional love, there still are different ways of seeing things, and I'm going to worry about Mama in a way that Mama may not see the need to be cared for. And that's where a difficult conversation comes in because we have different perspectives and maybe different needs. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I want to put a couple more things on your list before we move on to 
So what does this conversation look like? Let's not forget that caregiving itself by a child can lead to difficult discussions. You're going to help me do what? You know, mama needs some help with grooming. Is this the place where really a kid can do it well? A child, an adult child, not a kid. Um, is the appropriate person? How does everybody feel? What's that discussion going to look like? Um, sometimes we just get into other things that we don't think about till they happen. And again, as you said, they come from love. They come from protection. What's the relationship with the grandchildren? Um, and here's one that people don't think of till it happens. Travel. Mom is 75 and feels perfectly capable of getting on an airplane and going to Italy. But the kids are worried she'll be tired. She won't know her way around. She will get sick and then what would happen? And so you can see where even something like, like vacations can become a difficult discussion. Right, right. Let's stop there. I mean, I think we could go on and on listing kinds of, but you can see where each of these topics have the potential for be leading to a discussion that is, and I mean difficult, not ugly, not full of conflict, just how do we hear each other? Right, right. And that's, that's what's really important. And the bottom line of it is how how do we, as the adult child, how can we best hear our mom and dad or loved one? How do we make sure that we are hearing what they really are needing to say and needing for us to hear and to right. act on and to integrate into whatever the plans are? Because in the, you know, in the final analysis, short of their not being able to make decisions because of cognitive issues, they are still people. They are still adults. And they should have the opportunity to, to make decisions, at least to contribute to those decisions. And sometimes when we walk in as, you know, oh, we have all the answers, you know, as the adult child, we forget that mom and dad really do have the right to, at minimum, help make decisions for themselves, for their lives. Right? Does that make sense? Let's, let's talk about what a conversation should look like or can look like. Okay. Okay, because I think it will speak to exactly what you're saying. Okay. Um, there are any number of people who have have cute little phrases there. Uh, one woman, the social worker, said, um, not in a particularly novel way, but she summed up what you just said. She said, ultimately, our parents have the right to be independent. They have the right to be independent. They have a right to be the adults they are. And we're moving in when there's a need to be helpful. The degree of that help is going to vary depending on what the adult parent needs, right? What the parent needs, right? So I, here's a nifty thing. If you are listening to this podcast, there's so much to think about. So I want to suggest uh, an easy way to think about the conversation itself. 
I want to think about it as four steps plus some caveats, four steps plus some older suggestions, and they are A, B, C, D. Well, sort of. It's A, A, D. Um, D. So the first thing is assess. The second thing is access. Assess, access. The third is begin to communicate. And the fourth thing is decide. You will notice that the fourth thing is to make a decision. So a lot is going to happen before we ever get to that decision. At least that's my suggestion. So number one, we've already talked about in a lot of ways. See if it seems familiar. Assess. We want to observe and really, you know, really see what's going on for our parents. We want to be as objective as we can be. Is there a problem here? What is that problem? Are there, are there bills piling up on the desk? Are we getting credit notices? Is that indicating there's some problems with mom or dad's ability to manage their finances? Have they been defrauded? You know, have they bought that roof from the guy who knocked on the door that they didn't need? So the first thing is to um, take a close look. Are there powers of attorney and a will and so forth? You're gathering information. And I always suggest to people that when they do that, they keep a log. Because we are anything as human beings but, lot, but objective. Right? So it's really helpful to write things down. Did mama forget to pay the water bill once? Or she pretty much forgotten 10 bills in the last two months? That's a, there's a big difference there. I'm scared when she fit, misses the water bill she never missed before. But that happens. 10 bills? Worried. Right. And um, we also it's also helpful to ask other people, including family and friends, they can, number one, be objective sometimes. They can add information, but also sometimes when it's family, uh, we, it's helpful to include them because the more we include our family all along the way, the more likely we are to work together in what needs to be done. And then here's a big one, and this is the part we've been talking about. Whose problem is this? Is this my problem because I want the best for my parent and I'm worried that down the line they will need money or a different place to live? Or do they really need to be managed? Do they really need help managing their money and thinking about moving? In fact, I want to discuss with, I want to think about, not discuss, how important the issue is. Remember that thing about eating your vegetables? exercising, wearing the, hair, the hairdo that looks good on you, is that important enough to go to the mats about, you know, to have a difficult conversation? Where falling a lot or giving money away you shouldn't give away, that's worth the conversation. So you're gathering information, you're taking your temperature, is this my problem or her problem or his problem? And also, is it important enough? <coughs> That, and that's really important. That's really important to distinguish. Is it my problem or is it their problem? And how big of an issue is this really? Okay. If it's a safety thing, that's very different from, oh, it, it's you know not going to hurt anybody if, if it continues. Absolutely. 
All right, so we've done that. And really what we're doing is we're, you know, we're doing some real good looking inside ourselves and looking inside the situation. Now that we know what's concerning us, the next thing I would do, and it seems out of order, but please understand I don't think it is. We're going to do our homework. We're going to find out what's out there that would help help us solve the problem. We're going to do this before we talk, and that sounds a little odd. But I want to go into that conversation knowing some stuff, being able to offer some suggestions. I don't want to say, no, Mama, you really need to, I'm concerned about where you're living, that you're not safe enough, and therefore we're going to think you're going to move. Ah, I want to be able to say, here's some opportunities we might look at. I checked around, and here's some lovely places that you might want to consider if you consider moving. So we do our homework. What are the resources? We might, what are the residential communities like? What are the, um, who are some good elder law attorneys if we need a will drawn up? We also want to know, are there other professionals out there who can help us if we think it's an important issue and perhaps our parents is not hearing it from us, people like me, coaches, geriatric social workers, sometimes the physician, and I mentioned lawyers. Sometimes there are other people who can be, you know, we need to reach out to for help with these conversations. The doctor, the physician, is often the person who tells the person they can't drive anymore. Not the child. It's often the physician who doesn't have that family back, you know, baggage of, oh, you can't tell me. Okay, so we have assessed things and we've gotten some information together, some resources together. Now we're ready to have the conversation. And this is just incredibly, incredibly important. How you do this is the difference between being able to make a change, being heard, and not being heard and not making the healthy change, right? Right, right. So, you know, I like things like ABCD. I'm also going to suggest that you think about who, what, where, when, why. So who's going to have the discussion? Who is the person that Aunt Molly is most likely to be comfortable having a hard conversation with? Is it me? Is it I? Or is it somebody else? And if, it's, if I'm not the best person, I'll gladly give it to somebody else who might be more comfortable for that, Grant Molly. Right. Um, where? <laughs> this seems so obvious, but where is where is a comfortable place where every where we can sit down and have privacy and quiet, a chair that we can sit in comfortably for an hour. Um, where the temperature is good. You know what I mean. Right. We want to be able to sit down, feel relaxed, and then have the conversation. Who, where, what is the best time? Oh, actually, that's a when, isn't it? When is the best time? Um, <clears throat> we're not going to do that when one or both of us is tired. We're not going to do it when the grandchildren are running around and interrupting us. The dog needs to go for a walk. It's holiday dinner time, and we're just going to sneak over here for half an hour and talk about this. We want to find a time when we can gear down, 
and have a conversation if it needs to go on for a while. We're not going to be interrupted. Right, right. And finally, and this is one I wouldn't have thought about, but somebody suggested it to me. What? What are you going to say? Rehearse it ahead of time. These are tough conversations, and tough conversations need to be practiced. We don't want to jump in and say, you know, Mama, I just got to talk to you for half an hour. It's time for you to move. Right. right. How to present that conversation. It's our opener. Well, it's a little bit like a little uh, a few minutes ago. You said we were you were talking about um, the 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 need to move and you know or the consideration of moving, and you at the beginning you were phrasing it you know sort of like right then sort of a scenario of okay mom dad you know we really need to talk about your moving stuff and then you went on to say you know this is when you do your homework first and so you come to them and say something along the lines of there i have found these wonderful opportunities and just the difference in that wording yeah. You know, you need to move, number one, you versus I, you know, those I messages. Right. Uh, but but also that whole thing of rehearsing, what what are the words? What is the language? What is the tone of voice? All of those right. kinds of things show respect for that other person as a person or basically conveys that that I don't respect you and your your contribution, your involvement, your decision making, your independence, your ability, you know, that we convey so much in how we say what we say. It's awfully important to begin with an I message. An I message. And and if, if folks don't know what that is, it really is a exactly what I'm saying, what Francis is saying, it starts with I. I've noticed that you, you've had a couple falls recently, and I've been curious about whether or not um, you've gotten that checked out. Have you gone to the doctor? I'm feeling like it's important that we find out why you're falling because it's, you know, and I don't need to play the whole conversation out, but it starts with I'm concerned, or I've noticed. I've noticed that you, you seem like this is this house is getting overwhelming for you. You you seem to be staying only in the living room. The rest of the house is not being cared for the way you used to. Is this feeling overwhelming to you now? Have you and and have you considered maybe there are some other options out there? But Cheryl, one of the things that you are suggesting that I really want to highlight is that that there's this, I'm going to call it a spirit of, of curiosity, a yeah. mindset of being curious rather than as so many of us, and I am raising my hand, recognizing that if I point one finger out, three point back at me, but rather than automatically jumping to I'm really concerned about whatever this is, but rather to take a step back and out of a out of a standpoint of being being curious. You know, what what's going on? You know, are you aware? 
mom, dad, of whatever it is. That's very different. Actually, that is exactly the word that I would use. And I would say that step one is to bring up the topic using an I message. Step two is to not talk, is to really deeply listen. Let, let, your, let mama or papa answer the question. And if they wander some and tell stories, respect that. First of all, those stories are going to tell you things that they may not be able to tell you straight on. If mom, mama starts saying, you know, in 1950 when we moved into the house, it was the joy of my life. And I watched my children grow up. And she starts to talk about raising her children. She's telling you, this is awfully, awfully important to me. So our job is to then let the conversation go on. Guide it gently when you have to. But listen for what mama or papa is telling you. Right. Now, we did this homework a long time ago. We talked about homework a long time ago also, a few minutes ago. And this is someplace down the line after you've had a little of this conversation, or, uh, you're going to start to be able to, uh, to suggest some of the homework that you found out about. You're right, Mom. I can see why this would be difficult for you. I did see, and, and you say you love cooking, and you don't want to move someplace where somebody feeds you 24-7 because... You want to cook. You know, I did go over to, you know, Gates of Gold, and I saw this apartment that had the loveliest kitchen. I wonder if that's something we could go look at, because that might actually be a good compromise, a, a good next, a good step, even though you'd be giving up your home and moving. So what have I said so far? We do eye messages. We listen with curiosity. We don't rush, and we don't we don't give the solution too early. We don't say, "Well, this is what we're going to do." We try to have an adult to adult conversation if it's at all possible. And then we're going to move. See if we can get the conversation to move towards a resolution that's satisfying for everybody. Right. Is that possible always? Ah. Absolutely not. But we don't want to abandon an issue that we think is important. Right. May not get exactly what we think is best, but have we improved the situation? In this case that you and I have been talking about, I want Mama, ultimately, in my head, I want Mama to move from here over to Gates of Gold. And I hope that's not the name of a real place. But... Um, <laughs> What if not? What if mama says there is no way? Then maybe we go back and say, well, let's see how we can keep things safer in the home for now. Would you be willing to consider some in-home help? Would you consider right. letting me make this house a bit safer by moving some stuff around and adding some handrails and putting a ramp up? So did I get the perfect solution? Maybe not yet. Am I going to come back to this conversation later on? Probably. Probably. Right. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because like with everything, we don't go run the Boston Marathon. 
you know, just deciding one day, we want to do this and go do it. It takes those steps and we practice and we do all kinds of things to get ready for that. And it's sort of the same with this, isn't it? You know, Francis, I was thinking about this today, that some of these conversations are not resolved in ways that we feel good about. Sometimes there's more anger than we can deal with, and that's why we got to go. To, we've got to go to somebody else to pick up the conversation. I talked about the profession, right. Right? Right, right? right. Sometimes there's so much emotion in in what we're trying to discuss, or in the changes we're discussing, we can't get there. So I'm not trying to paint a rose garden here. This doesn't always work, but these steps will really, really help. What worries me is abandoning. I know a, I know somebody very sort of but I'll tell you the one person I know who whenever she discussed with her mother her need to move into assisted living knew that her mother was going and her mother did cry, refuse, holler. She protected herself like she was protect a baby a bear protecting its cub. She was not moving. The daughter abandoned the conversation, knowing, though, in her heart that this, where the mother was living was no longer safe for her. Wow. That this happens a lot. We don't want to upset our mama or papa that much. And so we back off of the conversation. In this particular case that I'm telling you about, it, it didn't have a good resolution. Mama didn't move until her dementia was rest enough so that she fell. She didn't know where she was. We don't want to get there. Right, right. We want to, as you said, we want to act with love and concern. We don't want to put on pressure when we don't have to. But sometimes we just need to be a little more adamant than feels particularly comfortable. And and one of the keys, I think, in all of this is to do the assessing as early as possible, yes. to do the homework as early as possible, so that these conversations have time to have several conversations to percolate in both, in all minds, so, so we don't feel so rushed into Absolutely. doing that, that we're not at a crisis point that a decision has to be made now yeah. how much better it, it is to be able to have this conversation so there is time built in if you need to come back to it or to do it more gradually yes and i don't want to leave you with that very that very difficult story i told there is i have a parallel story where the family started early Mama was adamant. They brought in, uh, they hired in-home care for a while. And eventually, Mama was able and move, was able to accept and agree to the move. She even took her in-home care person with her for a little while. So there was a good transition. This conversation, the second conversation, the second story is really what we hope for. That, as you said, we start early, we do our homework, we have kind conversations, maybe a number of these conversations. 
Right, right. But we eventually get to a resolution that is in the best interest of the parent. Right. Right. I want, I want to tell you, because I'm really concerned about having told you a grim story, but a true one, that ultimately what I think we need to do as children of adult parents is to do our best and to recognize that we are bringing love and concern to the table and that we should congratulate ourselves that we are doing that, that we feel good about ourselves as well as feeling good about our parents. That's lovely. Yeah, because so often caregivers really do need a pat on the back that they've done so much, that they do so much. Right. It's not easy, but it can be in the context of love and caring and, and uh, patience and some skills, some new skills. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so so we've talked about, <coughs> excuse me, we've talked about steps of doing this. Um, we've talked about what some of those difficult conversations can be. We've talked about sort of a formula. Uh, I'm going to call it a formula. Yeah, ABCD. Um, yeah, the ABCD or AACD. AACD. <laughs> um, Cheryl, is there anything else that that we haven't covered that needs just to be covered today? Maybe a summary. Okay. Some of the things that I am that we talked about sort of in between. One is choose your battle. Make sure that the issue is an issue worth upsetting, you know, having. That's good. You know, put the effort into. Um, another thing is remembering to separate out whose need it is. Is it, your, is it a child's need or right. parent's need? Doesn't mean you can't honor the child's need, but let's be careful. Let's be clear about why we're doing something. Right, right. Um, a third thing that I talked about in passing was including your family and friends so that they can be supportive, so they can give you information they may have that would be helpful. But also remember that family and friends are influencers, to use the common jargon to them. They can be saying things that you don't know about. No, you don't need to move. Or no, you don't need to give up your car. Let's get on the same page. Right. Um, right. That is so important. So right. And the very last thing is we can have this podcast we're going to have. In fact, ACAP is going to have a program about this in the next couple of months in ACAP Guilford. Um, but I will tell you, it, it, this is not a once and done. It's hard to learn these new skills. And so reach out to the professionals who you can talk over your feelings and your skills. And remember that ACAP has programs that will give you more information and that there are other resources as well. For example, AARP, the Alzheimer's Association, and other smaller organizations um, also have documents and education programs that can be helpful when you're trying to learn this new skill set about difficult discussions. Your, your insight and your tips are so valuable. Thank you. Thank you for helping unpack not kind of the how-tos and kind of the whole framework of doing this because these conversations can surface at, at 
any point and at all points along the way. Yeah. Right. So Cheryl, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we want to thank you, our listeners. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that you'll share it with others that you think may benefit. But before we end, we certainly want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina. Pace is our sponsor for this podcast and for all of our ACAP podcasts. And we are indeed grateful for their support. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our caregiver community podcasts on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, as well as our website, www.acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs that Cheryl just mentioned, and our local chapters that Cheryl also mentioned. Um, but if there are other topics that you'd like for us to address as a podcast, please do let us know on the website. Our education, career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one who needs help, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for your loved ones, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.